Jesus is going to come back to this earth. Do you believe that? Do you anticipate that? Do you live in expectation of it? Peter prophesied in 2 Peter that in the last days, the days we're living in, there would come a rising skepticism about the return of Christ. He said, they will say things like this. Where's the promise of his coming? For since our fathers died centuries ago, things have gone on just like normal. Same, same old, same old, same cycle of life. We don't, we, we're really beginning to wonder about this Jesus coming again thing. And then Peter answers, you don't understand. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So according to God, two days have gone by since Jesus died and rose again. And he said he's waiting for more souls to be saved. It's the long suffering of God so that more and more people can be saved. And that is... That plays a part in the timing of God and the return of Christ. But I want to show you today that Jesus is coming back. I don't know if you believe that or not. I, I trust that you do. If you're, if you're doubtful about it, you need to be forewarned. You're in a church that believes he's coming back. We're always going to preach that he comes back. And we live as if he could come back today. Now, let me just read to you out of Matthew 24. I'm continuing my series, The Last Days According to Jesus. Jesus said a lot about what we call the last days, the last of time, as we know it. You remember he walked out of the temple with his disciples. His disciples were bragging on the temple and how beautiful it was, glorious, majestic, what an incredible work of architecture and so on and so forth. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, not one stone, the day is coming when not one stone is left upon another. This temple is coming down. That was a shocking thing. 37 years later, it happened. But the disciples thought about it, and Jesus and the disciples went to the Mount of Olives, and they were sitting around, and they said, Jesus, we got three questions for you based on what you just said. When will these things be, the temple come down? And while we're at it, what will be the sign of your return and of the end of the age? Jesus took a whole chapter to answer those three questions. He answered when the temple was going to come down, the signs to look for. And then he reached way down in time to our day with his unerring prophetic eye. And he said, here will be the signs of my return and of the end of the age. Now, we've talked about that for two weeks now. And today I want to talk to you specifically, mostly, mainly about Christ's second coming to earth. Titus calls it the glorious appearing. It's also called the second advent. But here's Jesus answering his disciples. We're headed towards the end of the chapter in Matthew 24, and let's read what he said. <clears throat> Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun is going to be darkened, the moon is not going to give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, those are cosmic signs. Now, verse 30 begins with then. Then, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
Wow. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is unerring. It is truth. It is irrefutable. Let God be true and every man a liar. And Lord, we stand on your word today. We thank you for the certain promise of your return. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll anoint me to preach this. I can't preach this the way it ought to be preached without your help. And, Lord, we can't understand it without your help. So I pray that the anointing of the Spirit of God just settles on this church right now. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And, Lord, build our expectancy for the coming again of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it. Now breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord... Speak to my heart. I receive your truth. Build my faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and preach a little bit and say, Jesus is coming back. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. You know, it's an amazing thing to me that there's a lot of churches now that will no longer preach this. As we head towards the end of time as we know it, towards the return of Christ, there is a departure on the part of many who used to preach the Bible, and they don't preach it anymore. They won't talk about things like this. But to me, uh, the prophecies of the Bible, biblical prophecy, is one of the great topics to preach on because it builds our faith. We serve a God who knows the end from the beginning. We serve a God who knows how something is going to end before it even starts. And <clears throat> we serve a God who has the future in his hands. Now, I want you to understand today that the most significant event in biblical prophecy, in my opinion, is the second coming of Christ. It is the highlight, the apex, the high point of biblical prophecy. The second coming, literal return of Jesus Christ to the earth. It might shock you to know that there's over 300 separate prophecies predicted in Scripture on the second coming of Christ. I said 300, not 30, not 3, but 300 prophecies predicting the return of Jesus to the earth. If there's only one, I'm going to believe it. If there's 300, I look up and I say, Lord, I get it. In fact, get this. For every prophecy about his first appearance as a baby in Bethlehem. So for every prophecy of his first appearance, there are eight concerning the second coming. Every one prophecy that Jesus would be born, Messiah would appear on the earth in the form of a baby, there's eight predicting his second advent, his second return. I don't believe a Christian can have a well-rounded well faith without understanding the truth about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We need to all get it. Matter of fact, I could have called this today what every Christian should know. Amen? What every Christian should know. The truth is that all the roads of history and prophecy are going to converge together at that one point of Jesus Christ's return to the earth. One author writes this. Jesus' second coming is the climax of our creeds and the final proof of the sovereignty of God over human history. And I believe that. I want you to know that the devil is not the one in control. Man is not the one in control. 
D.C. is not in control. World governments are not in control. Wicked people are not in control. Our God is in control of the universe and of all of history. It's his story. His return is going to bring an end to this age. And it's going to bring an end to time as we have known it and the world as we have known it. His second return, his second coming is going to change everything. And it's going to bring the final stage of our redemption and the the total fulfillment of all the promises made to us as children of God. It'll all happen and all culminate in the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. I want your faith to be built on this truth. Jesus came once as a baby. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead and ascended back into glory. And just as surely as he came once, he's coming again. He's going to come again. Jesus is coming again. Now, in our day, I got to deal with this because I'm dealing with the second coming. But in our day, there's an ongoing debate over how the rapture, uh, as given in 1 Thessalonians 4... We should not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. The twinkling of an eye at the sound of the last trump. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture verse. Caught up together. Caught up off this earth. Raptured off this planet. And then the second coming. Some see these two things happening at the same time. They see them as the same event. Others see them as separated by either three and a half years or seven years. Some people believe Jesus is coming back or that we're going up halfway through the tribulation period. And some believe we're going up at the end of the tribulation period. Now, those who believe the rapture is going to happen before the seven-year tribulation period that I talked about last week, where the Antichrist reigns short for a short time, and it is literal hell on earth, and the judgments of God are falling... There are people who believe that the rapture will happen before those terrible seven years. And and they are called pre-tribbers, pre-tribulation people. All of you who believe he's coming before the tribulation, raise your hand. You're a pre-tribber. The rest of you don't know what you are. All right. If you believe it happens at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, you're called a post-tribber. But many Christians don't know when it's going to happen, and they just call themselves pan-tribbers because they believe it's all going to pan out in the end. (laughs) Amen? Without spending too much time on this, I'm going to leave it. uh, I'm just going to deal with this this area just briefly, and then I'm going to move on to the second coming, and I'm going to deal with that almost totally. But I want you to know that good people can disagree on this and both still go to heaven. Amen? Like, if, you think, if you're a pre-tribber, mid-tribber, post-tribber, pan-tribber, it doesn't matter. What matters is you have put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. So this is not a salvation issue. It's just where you happen to land on this particular thing. Now, I've got to tell you where I stand. I personally believe that Christ's return is going to occur in two stages. Primarily because of the many differences that I see in the Bible between the two events. Now, let me tell you what that means that I believe. I believe Christ will come before the tribulation. 
to resurrect dead Christians out of the grave and to rapture up those who are alive and remain. Those who have died in Christ with faith in Christ are going to come out of the grave at the blast of the trumpet. And we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up together. It says, with them in the clouds, which is a prediction of a mighty reunion. That's why I tell you, if you've lost somebody who you love, if they died in faith in Jesus Christ, the day is going to come when that trumpet is going to blow. And if you're still walking around on the earth, they're going to come up out of the grave and you're going to be caught up with them, with them, with them in the clouds. So I like to say this is only a temporary goodbye. Thank God that Jesus abolished death and hell, and the grave, and he's victorious King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Now, a real quick, brief sweep through this. Those Christians who are raised or raptured are going to be taken to heaven, the Father's house. Jesus talked about in John 14, where their works, not their sins, but their works will be judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we must all appear, that is Christians, before the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, the way we live for him, the things we did for him, did we do them for his glory, did we do them in his name, did we serve him, did we reach others for him, did we walk with him, did we bring forth fruit to his glory, all of those things are going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. It's the place of rewards. This judgment seat of Christ is going to be followed by the marriage supper of the Lamb. Spoken of in Revelations 19. You can read about it. Go read about it. In the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lord is going to gird himself and serve us. Can you imagine? You talk about angel food cake. You talk about some incredible food. Oh, it's going to be there when we enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. I can't imagine that meal. The good news is it's paid for by the blood of Jesus. And you've got a reservation for that restaurant if you're covered in the blood of the Lamb. You've got a reservation, a place at the table for you. Now, while all of this is going on in heaven, the horrors of the seven-year tribulation period are going to be going down on earth. At the end of the great tribulation, Jesus will return. At the end of the great tribulation, for a fact, Jesus will return to destroy the Antichrist, to stop the terrible war of Armageddon before all flesh is wiped out, and he will set up his kingdom. Now, that's a brief sweep. Now, I want to highlight the differences I see between the second coming and the rapture. Just show you why I've landed where I've landed. Why I believe it's two events. Let me show you the differences between the two. One, in the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints. At the second coming, he comes with his saints. The book of Jude says, behold, the Lord comes with. Notice this. The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all. That's talking about the second coming. Second, the rapture is going to take place in the air, but the second coming takes place on the earth. Zechariah the prophet said, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. 
the second coming, and the second coming, Jesus comes down and literally his feet set down on the Mount of Olives. Why the Mount of Olives? Because that's where he lifted off from. And the Bible says that angels told the disciples, and I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment, but they said the same way he left is the way he's coming back. He lifted off the Mount of Olives. He's coming back to land on the Mount of Olives. Hallelujah. In the rapture, believers go from earth to heaven. At the glorious appearing, they go from heaven to earth. At the rapture, Jesus comes to reward his people. At the second coming, he comes to judge the earth. At the rapture, he claims his bride. At the glorious appearing, he comes with his bride. And then the rapture signals the beginning of the wrath of the Lamb, while the second coming completes the wrath of the Lamb. And here's one last one. There are no signs that have to take place for the rapture to happen, while there are several signs predicting the second coming. Now, I'm the first to admit that there's not a verse in the Bible that says the rapture is going to happen before the Great Tribulation period. I take my stand on what I see as these differences between the two events. Now, if I'm wrong, it's a good wrong because my resolve is to live like he could return today. And if I live, if I live like he could return today, then I'm going to live a God-honoring life all of my life because I know that any time he could come back. My personal prayer is that I'm going to be preaching just like this when he comes. And I'm going to be saying something like, Jesus said, and boom. Because the Bible says it will happen so fast in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump. The word moment from the Greek word atomos, from which we get atom. It means a moment of time so fast you can't split it. We're not going to float up. We're going to suddenly be there. Faster than a camera flash. Faster than the twinkle of an eye. You'll be doing something here and suddenly you'll be looking at him in the face. And you will see the one you have loved without ever having seen him, yet you have loved him. Amen. And John says, it does not appear yet appear what we shall be, but we do know that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To see him is to be transformed to be like him. And that's the rapture of the church. But here's what we can all agree on. Whatever you are in the rapture or not, if you think it's pre, mid, or post, it doesn't really matter as much as this. We can all agree that Jesus Christ is absolutely coming again in the second coming. Jesus is coming to earth. We can all agree Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is coming soon. Amen. If we can really agree on that, can we give the Lord a hand of praise today? Come on. Amen. I want us to shout together. I like giving hell the shakes. So can we just shout good and loud with all kinds of faith behind it? Jesus is coming soon. Come on. One, two, three. Jesus is coming soon. Yeah.
I think you believe that. Jesus promised, listen to this now, I will come back, John 14, 3. I will come back. It's interesting to me that the last chapter in the entire Bible, three times, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. In the last chapter of the Bible. Also, in the last chapter of the Bible is the last prayer of the Bible, and the last prayer of the Bible is a prayer for the second coming. Here's the prayer. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So the last chapter of the Bible, three times, I'm coming soon. Last chapter of the Bible and the last prayer of the Bible, even so, come, Lord Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, we've got Jesus coming back to this earth. So let's lay out today what it means. What do we mean when we say Jesus is coming back? What's he going to look like? What's it going to be like? What, what do you mean when you say Jesus is coming back? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what it means, exactly what he'll look like, exactly what it'll be like. The Bible tells us that as the disciples were talking to Jesus in the first chapter of the book of Acts, Jesus is about to go back into heaven. And he's giving them some last-minute instructions. He's saying, wait for the power of the Holy Ghost to fall upon you. Don't go out and try to minister without his power. And then he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that God has put in his control. But he tells them to basically be this way focused and go and reach the world with the gospel of Christ. And then the Bible says that as they were sitting there talking to him, all of a sudden he raised his hands and he was taken up into glory in a type and a picture of the coming rapture of the church. It's the same thing that happened with Enoch. It says Enoch was walking with God and in a blink he was not. 365-year-old man suddenly snatched off the planet and nobody could find him. His footprint stopped in the dirt right there. They couldn't find him. He was taken. Elijah the prophet told his predecessor he said look if you see me go up then the double anointing will be yours Elisha watched him like a hawk his eyes were peeled on every step he took he slept with one eye opened and the Bible says that as they were walking suddenly the chariots of fire appeared and Elijah was taken up another type of the rapture another picture of what is coming to the church Enoch taken Elijah taken Jesus taken. It's only a matter of time before the church is taken. And so here's the disciples. They're watching, staring into the sky, transfixed, amazed, awe-inspired, and suddenly two angels appeared. And the two angels said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way. In just the same way. It says in like manner in that translation. Another translation says, in just the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The phrase is this one. This same Jesus. The same Jesus that went up is the same Jesus coming down. 
The same Jesus that lifted up into glory is the same one coming down. And, and the, the word same is twice in that verse. We're told key things about the return. The same Jesus will return in the same way. Same, same. That removes all doubt that Jesus is coming back to earth personally, literally, visibly, and bodily. You could touch him. You can talk to him. You can walk with him. He's coming back the same way. This same Jesus. Everybody say with me, this same Jesus. See, we wonder, what would he look like, a ghost? Would he look like a specter? Would he look like a, like, a, like a spirit? No, no. This same Jesus that you saw taken up is going to come back down in the same way. As they, the disciples, were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, that tells me that not only is he coming back the same way, same Jesus, the same way, but it's going to be sudden and it's going to be unexpected because, folks, they were not expecting Jesus to be lifted up that way. He's, he's talking to them. They're having a great time of fellowship, and all of a sudden, whoosh, he's gone. So apparently, as he was taken without any warning, he said the same way he's taken is the same way he's going to come back. It's going to be without any warning at all. When he was taken up, it was amazing. It was awe-inspiring. It was spectacular. It was breathtaking. It was mind-boggling. It, 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 was absolutely, it, it was absolutely inexplicable, unexplainable, indescribable. It says they were gazing, meaning they were transfixed. They were absolutely stunned and, and, and frozen in place at what they saw when Jesus was taken up. In the same way, in the same way, this same Jesus is coming back. It's going to be awe-inspiring. It's going to be stupefying. It's going to be spectacular. Every eye is going to see him. Every human being is going to observe it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be breathtaking. It's going to be... Words fail at what it's going to be like. So we can assume his return to the earth is going to be astonishing and it's going to be surprising. I want you to think about it. The same Jesus who was born in Bethlehem is coming again. This same Jesus. The same Jesus who grew up in Nazareth as a little boy, turned water into wine, walked on water, healed the lepers, raised Lazarus from the dead, rode into Jerusalem on the first Palm Sunday, was whipped beaten and mocked this same Jesus they nailed to a tree and stood him up and watched him die on the cross, the same Jesus that was taken down and put into a borrowed grave, and the same Jesus that got up from the dead on the first Easter Sunday morning and walked around and ate with them and touched them and said, touch me, that same Jesus is coming back again. Come on, give him praise today. The same Jesus. Now, in our text at the beginning, we read Jesus' last description of the signs that would not precede his return, but coincide with his return. 
In the first message, we dealt with the signs that would precede, that would show you that you're headed near the time of his return. But these signs are going to happen as he returns. They're going to be taking place as he comes back. The first sign Jesus gave was the time of his coming, the sign of the time of his coming. Here it is. He says, immediately after. That's a timing phrase. Immediately after. That has to do with time. Immediately after what? The tribulation of those days. When the seven-year tribulation is coming to a close, immediately after that, right then, that is when Jesus is going to return in his second coming. Immediately after the tribulation period, when Antichrist thinks he's got the world by the tail and thinks that his wicked schemes are going to succeed, then is when Jesus suddenly, spectacularly, visibly returns. When the tribulation period is reaching its terrible climax, Jesus is going to step onto the stage of the last of history and stop the great war, grab Antichrist by the scruff of the neck, throw him into the lake of fire, and the beast into the lake of fire, and they will be the first two to split hell wide open. Amen. Now, secondly... Jesus said there's going to be heavenly signs that will herald my coming, cosmic signs, signs in the sky. He said the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. That's four cosmic signs. Darkened sun. Can you imagine our sun being darkened like an eclipse, but a long-lasting eclipse, a total eclipse? The moon will not give its light. The stars, watch this. Jesus said it, will fall from the sky. Heavenly bodies will be shaken. These are not metaphors. These are not exaggerations. Jesus is making so that he can bring a point across. No, the sun will somehow be darkened. And the moon will no longer reflect a darkened sun. I'm so thankful that we will be with him. Second, he said the stars are going to fall from the sky. And every star, planet, comet, meteor, asteroid, you name it, whatever the heavenly orbs might be, every other heavenly body will be shaken out of its God-appointed place. You say, well, Jeff, that's impossible. That's crazy because that means it's like the universe is coming apart. Well, let me just remind you, God has everything under control. This is all in the hands of God. He's already told us what's going to happen before it does. And he will not fail us, and he will not forsake us, and he will not put us through his wrath. Can I remind you of the greatness of our Lord? Colossians says that all things in the universe are held together by the very word of Christ. We serve a mighty Savior. The same Savior through whom everything was created that was created... That same Savior's word is what keeps the universe intact. Colossians 1.17, in him all things hold together. He's the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Jesus is literally the glue that holds the universe together. His word. 
He could give the word today, and this universe would fly into a trillion different pieces. Apparently, when Jesus returns, all that I can surmise here is, is somehow the gravitational field is going to be altered and causing the stars to veer from their courses and the planets to careen off into space. It'd be the most amazing event in world history. Nobody on the planet is going to miss what is happening. As a matter of fact, all these things are happening up in the sky, which has every eye looking at the sky, which brings me to the third and most glorious sign, and that is the appearance of Jesus in the sky. At that time, Jesus said, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And this verse describes the literal bodily return of Jesus Christ to the earth. Unlike the rapture, which happens in the twinkling of an eye. Get this, everybody. Antichrist is going to have gathered all the armies of the world in the valley of Megiddo. And the great war of Armageddon is going to be underway. The Bible says if Jesus didn't shorten it, no flesh would be saved. And they're going to be fighting one another. And suddenly, catch this now, I'm not kidding. This is what the Bible says. Suddenly, they're going to realize that these cosmic things are happening in the sky. Sun is darkened. Moon is darkened. There's all kinds of of, of cosmic disturbance. And they're going to be looking up and suddenly, there he will be. That just gave me a Holy Ghost bump on top of my Holy Ghost bump. (laughs) There he will be. And he will make his way from heaven to earth, surrounded by the saints, the angels, and the clouds of God's glory. And his feet will land on the Mount of Olives, and he will stop the terrible war. He will judge Antichrist, and he will usher in a brand new kingdom where the lion lays down with the lamb, and all the swords are beaten into plowshares because there is war no more, and Jesus is going to rule the world in peace. He won't be elected. He will be appointed. He won't be a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian. He will rule the earth with a scepter of righteousness. There will be no more devil, no more sin, no more heartache, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease. Amen. Can we stand together today? The first time Jesus came, he came unnoticed as a baby. The second time, every eye is going to see him. In his first coming, he was the humble babe in a manger. But when he returns, he's coming as conquering king of kings and lord of lords. He came the first time as the lamb of God. He's coming the second time as the lion of Judah. In his first coming, they refuse to acknowledge him. In the second coming, they will have to acknowledge him. Because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. If you're excited about the coming again of Jesus Christ, can we one more time give him a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to do something a little bit different in closing today. 1 Thessalonians 5, the first 10 verses, are to you and to me. 
regarding the coming again of the Lord. And so I want us to do what some call a congregational reading. I want us to confess and speak the Word of God. So I'm going to ask you to read good and loud with me like you're the one preaching. Read it out loud. I don't want you to mumble. Read it out loud because these verses are going to bless us. Are you ready? Let's go. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Amen. And the last, the verse right after that, and I close. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another as you have also been doing. The day of the Lord is drawing near. It's time to get oil in our lamps and lift up our heads for our redemption draws nigh. Can we lift holy hands to the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming back as surely as you came the first time. You're coming the second time. Thank you, Lord, for taking us up off this earth one day by the power of God. Thank you, Lord, for sealing us with the Holy Spirit of promise and covering us with the blood of the Lamb that has washed away our sin. Thank you for the keeping power of God. Thank you for the amazing grace that saved us the grace that keeps us and the grace that will carry us to your soon return.